Welcome, everyone is dirty, to the stage of the Phoenix Theater. They describe themselves as Art Rock City with sex and violins, and they add to that description with, and I quote, Brian Eno and Blondie are fucking on VHS. Tonight, we'll get to know them, and later they'll play some music. Please welcome to the program. Everyone is dirty. Welcome. Hello. Let's start with your most recent full-length, My Neon's Dead. We'll just jump right in. Um, This album came about during a transformative moment for you. And also for this band, because you were at the center of this band. Um, could you tell us about that period? Um, well, yes. So that period was um, really dark because I was um, sick, really sick. I had had a, an allergy to penicillin, to a form of penicillin called augmentin, which probably has the same thing as a lot of other antibiotics in it but that just happened to be the one that I was taking and I took it I didn't know obviously I didn't know I was allergic to it and um, the doctor who prescribed it to me for like a cold it was in December um, and when I first started getting sick and I had been taking the medicine for like three rounds I took it three rounds they gave it to me three three rounds of it and then my liver failed so after two rounds well so it was like yeah, it was. I had one round of it, and then I didn't get better for like a month or two, and then I had another round, and then the last round was prescribed over the phone. And I was so, I was really asleep at the wheel in terms of thinking about what antibiotics can mean, what it means to take antibiotics what it means to take medicine and what it means to go to the doctor and just expect that when you're going to the doctor that you're going to leave with medicine and that it just does not it can't hurt you like I mean I never imagined that taking medicine could hurt me that much you wrote that you're let's see you spent months in the hospital floating above your body on a dilipod dilated dilated and so that is kind of where this album came from yeah. 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 Tell us about that. So you're floating above and, and from that perspective, from what you were feeling, you, you kind of basically like collected some of those experiences and, and put them into this album. Yeah. Well, so yeah. And Dilaudid is another me- medicine. It's an opiate, a heavy opiate that, that, that I was being given, um, that I was being, um, in, in, in an infusion, you know, like in my arm, I was being given it, which is basically kind of like being given heroin, only you're being given it like by someone who's telling you that it's great that you're taking it and you're being like taken care of and given drugs, you know, that are very strong and feel good so that while my liver is failing and I'm like dying, I'm also not even really feeling like I'm dying. I feel like good somehow. Yeah. And so San Andreas in particular is a song on this album that touches on kind of like 
what you learned from this experience personally. Um, could you tell us a little bit about well, that? Well, that song actually, um, that song, so the album kind of like starts out with like that song, which is more carefree. It's like, you're just, you're not in the hospital yet. <laughs> you're uh, at a party, you like standing on the balcony, like taking a drink, not thinking about anything. And just, yeah, just coasting. So, but yeah, but there's a darkness looming. Yeah, you had written about that song that it's a rem- that song's a reminder for you to focus on the ride and love and to try and practice acceptance, to try laughing instead of holding on to poisonous anger. Yeah, and I mean, like you know, lyrically, like I definitely write all the lyrics, um, you know, but but music is, I mean, you know, yeah, and I'm and I'm really down to talk about the lyrics and talk about what I was thinking when I wrote these like poems, but I mean, music is is so much more than just that those words, and you know, that part of it is definitely um, a team effort. Absolutely. And I think you touch on things on the album that we've all experienced in one way or another. Um, yeah. But, but so the narrative, I mean, I, if, yeah, oh, please, sorry. no, please. I, I would um, well, so yeah. So San Andreas is like the, like the, the, the happy moments that you have, the, the, it starts out like everything, you know, like just walking along, having, having fun, enjoying life. And then, um, silver and white is about meeting your best friend and um, going, yeah, so you're not alone anymore. And, um, and then My Neon's Dead takes you into the hospital. And, um, and then there's like some little interludes. And, what, and what does My Neon's Dead mean? Like, I mean, like it's what like, does it sound like it means? <laughs> like your, your neon was like the glow that you had? Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> it's time to recharge the neon. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you could have died, right? I mean, I mean that's that's a profound experience. It is and a profound thing to like make a piece of art around. Not everybody has that. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, like I have to live with that, like going down yeah. forever. Like the you you go there and then you don't come back the same. And this album is, a, you know, it's a reflection of that. So, um, 3D Light then is uh, 3D Light. And uh, yeah, 3D Light is like, and I mean, we, we, we wrote the, a lot of these tunes together, me and Chris. Me and Chris, we wrote a lot of these tunes together. And it's funny because he also had a, a, an illness, um, a near-death experience, illness twice. And he, he can share that, but we, we share that. And Two-time cancer survivor. Yeah, and because we both um, went through that, like, and we were both, like, in the hospital by, by each other's sides, uh, we both, like, experienced that, that close-to-death uh, feeling that isn't just, like, a moment of close-to-death. It's, like, you're living in that for for months, and you're, like, living in the hospital, and then you, you come out of it, and... Like, I don't, I mean, I feel like both of us don't really, uh, we don't live life like, oh, nothing bad has ever happened to me. And like, sort of, you can play with your, like, you play with your life because nothing bad's happened to you. I know that feel. I remember that feeling of like getting in the car and, you know, playing with your life. Like it's a, like it's a video game or 
or and now I feel like I still play with my life, but it comes from a place of knowing what it would be like to go back, you know, knowing that and sometimes almost hoping that like I would go back because once you go there into the hospital and you give your body up, you, um, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to take care of yourself anymore. You have doctor, you have nurses taking care of you. You don't have to eat. You don't have to drink. You don't have to do anything for yourself. And there's almost like a weird, a weird feeling that, that, that I, that gave me that almost like there's a hole there now because of that that like I almost always hope and I remember that that feeling that's a a really weird way to look at it so people go through life hoping that they're going to become extremely wealthy so all of their needs will be taken care of by somebody else they can live comfortably and be taken care of you found uh, in your experience another way to do what the American that's dream crazy. sometimes is. Yeah, that's really, really weird and crazy yeah, <laughs> to is. think about it that way. Yeah. I've, I've succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to clarify, like, do you mean that like, there's just, there's almost something weirdly, I don't know how to say it. Cause life is a struggle sometimes, you know, sometimes you wake up in the morning and you just would rather not. And uh, when you're in that state, it's almost like, I guess the journey's almost over. I mean, is that kind of what you're getting at in terms of... Well, it's like the journey has come to a place where it's not really a journey anymore. It's a state, and the state is floating because you're drugged with, like, a heroin-esque opiate, and, you know, time goes by in this really abstract away dreamlike situation yeah. it probably at some points didn't feel well most points probably didn't feel like a real life when Not you were floating there no so after lady liberty is a song that's a sketch of yeah. a song that we're going to release yeah which was um which was called uh journeyman plumber and that's going to be a whole album journeyman plumber yeah that one's going to be an album about it's about a guy who who um it's about work, about work, the situation of work. <laughs> and um, so then after that sketch is Window Eye. And the Window Eye is a, um, that one is a song that is inspired by a book, by the end, the last paragraph of a book, Arthur Gordon Pym. Yeah. yeah. What's the name of the book? Arthur Gordon Pym. Oh, that's oh, that's not the author. <laughs> no, our, the author's Edgar Allan Poe. The narrative, oh, the narrative Allen. of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. Yes. There and and why was that significant? Well, uh, I'm drawn to books about um, jur- water journeys, and it's a really good, like, little novella about um, a kid who go becomes a stowaway on a boat, and um, the end. At the end, he's like. They've they've gone through so much, so much like really exciting stuff. And actually, but isn't yeah. I think that's known to be one of uh, Poe's most gruesome tales. Actually, isn't it? No, it's it's no. it's. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe, but I don't think so. It's also written in a diary style, so that's cool too. It's like did journal it, entries. Did it speak to you and your experience, or it just is something a piece of literature that you like? Oh my gosh. Uh, 
both. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it speaks to me because it's an escape. It's it's a beautiful escape to read a book about about a water, like you know, uh, a ship, a ship journey. Like the other, um, another ship journey song is the wishing song. Yeah, which is a new song, and we'll we'll definitely come back to that. Yeah. Um, Chris, you've had you had your experience. It seems like you both were shaped by these experiences. Uh, I'd love to hear from you as to how it affected you and how it changed you. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, I would just say that you know, I, I when I was first diagnosed, I was twenty nine, and I actually had a recording studio on a Hunters Point Naval Shipyard, which is a super fun site. Yeah, and um, and I was. You know, I was 29 and it was, um, you know, I'd spent like five years. I had spent like 60 hours a week there because, I mean, it was my business and, and I was also playing in bands and, and, you know, it was really cheap, raw space that a lot of artists would rent, you know, if you were lucky, quote unquote, because it was so cheap and so everyone wanted a space out there. So when I got one and, and it was part of this building that used to be a submarine training facility, uh, I, I started in this small room and then this humongous whole bottom half of this building became available. And I was like, oh, great, I can have, you know, 2,500 square feet of space for, you know, it was like 1,200 bucks a month, which was, you know, in, insane. And, uh, and I took it. And... Um, and then I, you know, I got sick. I felt a lump one day uh, under my, my neck. And, you know, I mean, I was 29, so I didn't, like, go immediately and get it checked out. I didn't have insurance. And so, you know, one day I finally was like, I just got, I got to go and see what this is. And, you know, they told me I had cancer. And um, ironically, um, you know, I didn't have insurance then. <laughs> I had insurance the second time when it happened 10 years later. Um, the whole the first time the whole thing cost me about like thirty five hundred bucks and I was at uh, uh, San Francisco General and it was like a UCSF training facility so my doctors were you know basically these kind of badasses. Um, the second time, even though I, I love my 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 doctor, my um, he's still my doctor, um, but I had insurance. And I'm, it was like, you know, like a $60,000. I mean, like, I have so much debt. It's crazy. It's like, it's not even, I don't even care about it, actually, to be honest. It's just like such an imaginary number that's never, you know, just, I'm just like, okay, sweet. So, but I was, I actually think that the, you know, the thing that, uh, when Sivan was just talking right now, because like every, every time I think it sort of like brings up a little something different or, or you're reminded of something you know, is really is just like the experience of having been on like kind of like both sides of it. So, you know, there is kind of a safety when you're sick. Like uh, um, there's a there's this thing when you're in the hospital and like people are taking care of you and you are getting like opiates or whatever. And, you know, you're kind of floating and you're, you know, and, and people are, they, you know, it's like surreal. People come in, they do things to you and you've just sort of like given up. You're just kind of like, I'm not giving up, like giving up on life, but just you're giving your body over to like whatever people, you know, do whatever you need to do, you know, so you're just kind of a vessel. And, and, uh, and so that's, that is, there's a comfort, a weird comfort in that. There's like a weird sort of like, I'm being taken care of and I don't have to think about it, you know, 
And then on the other side of that, like when you're the caretaker, you're just like, it is so fucking stressful, you know, because you're like having to write down everything that's going on and you're keeping track of all the medications and you're like researching what all the doctors say and you're like fighting, you know, you have to be a big advocate and it's like, you know, your infusion is done and the thing starts beeping in the machine in your room and, and then you have to like call the nurse and you got to get the nurse in and it's like, it just becomes this thing where like you are just like hyper like you just are like this hyper aware person of everything that's going on. And you just, you can't not, you have no choice but to be that, you know? Um, and so, you know, we kind of traded roles. Like I, I got sick, you know, pretty soon after we started living together. And, um, and then, uh, you know, a few years later, Sivan got ill. And it was, you know, so it was just kind of nuts because like as soon as I like felt strong and we were like, okay, let's go. We can do this now. We can live life. Then it was like, oh shit. No, we actually, we got to take up another pause here. How did it affect your creativity and music life? Well, the first time around, it really sort of like, it sunk me. Um, I just, I mean, I kind of like just came out of it and. You know, I, I had a, I had never tried cocaine before that. <laughs> I tried cocaine afterwards and I was like, okay, I love cocaine now. I'm a cancer survivor. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, I mean, I had like a, I, I, I had a pretty bad drug problem for a little while. Um, and, uh, and I just sort of was just like, you know, who cares? Like, it was kind of like a thing, like some people come out of it and they're like, oh my god every day is a gift you know and i was just like fuck that like <laughs> i just am so scared i don't i'm just gonna you know keep Party making bad it. decisions yeah exactly <laughs> just numb myself out really um but then the second you know after the second time it was a much different experience because i had met sivan and music had actually come back into my life and and so you know actually it 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 you know, it's weird to say, like, being, like, sort of happy for, you know, like, the way things worked out or whatever, but, I mean, she stood by my side. Um, the first time I went through it, I actually lost a lot of people, and I lost a wife, and I lost a lot of things uh, the first time because, you know, people just didn't, you know, people left. They just, they left, or they couldn't take it, or, you know, they just didn't know how to deal with it or whatever, and it just, you know, I was pretty alone after the first time. And then the second time to kind of come out of it, like, and be like, oh my God, like, you know, I still have you and we still have our home and we still have, you know, this band and music that we connected to so much. It was actually, you know, it was just the opposite. It kind of just like shot me the other direction. Now, you know, health wise, I mean, you know, it's not like I'm like, you know, again, like, I don't think every day that it's a, you know, it's a miracle to be alive today, you know, or anything like that. But I do, I am, I do feel very grateful that I am alive and I do want to keep living, <laughs> you know. So we probably won't revisit that because that was tough to talk about. And I really appreciate you talking about it. Is, is there anything else that you'd want to say about that? Because it just seems like so defining for individually as a couple and also this band. It just is like such a profound experience you went through. I really desperately want to be able to like be free and connect with people about it at the same time. Like it's difficult to share, but I really want to 
somehow like find freedom in connecting with people around like things that bring shame like you know depression you know things that you carry that you don't really want to bring out into the open I think um I just want that to be okay but like I don't I don't want to misrepresent our group and you know like we are not just sitting around like crying into our microphones. <laughs> no, this is a well-balanced group. They love dogs. They, uh, you know, there's some depression sometimes, but also we joke uh, around. We lot. joke around as yeah. well. You sent me a whole they list play of well. things. <laughs> 2014 release, "Dying Is Fun." What's that album about? <laughs> so that was um, a lesson in speaking to. Uh, what's that? There's a saying like, "Don't speak." to the devil or something they were like don't speak into the face of the devil I don't know I come from like a Jewish family and they they're not American my parents are or you know half Jewish half but my parents are not American and so they speak in ways that are <laughs> not they don't you know like don't speak into the devil's face that something like that <laughs> and I guess I did speak into the devil's face when um we decided to call this album Dying is Fun because I hadn't experienced dying yet and it was in 2015, at the end of 2015, no, no, in 2015 that I, that I experienced uh, that. And I feel like, what if I, why did I call that album Dying is Fun? Like, what was I trying to, what was I calling out of the universe? Okay, so this album was put out before your hospitalization. Yeah. What a wild thing. It's a wild thing. <laughs> and so you obviously didn't, I don't think, know what was to come. No, I had no idea. How was I ever supposed to, what, how so, could I possibly know that I would so be allergic to an antibiotic and and my liver would fail? Your parents' superstition kind of was correct. There's a lot of superstition in my family. Yeah, of course. My father, he's Turkish, and he says, and you can't, he can't leave a shoe flipped over if the shoe is flipped over then it's bad luck so i always flip my shoes and you got to put the right shoe on first there are many superstitions chris and i have superstition in common he won't allow a hat on a bed and he gets like actually really upset at me and i'm like how can you get mad at me for that Really mad. Just watch <laughs> Drugstore Cowboy, and you'll understand why. <laughs> he gets his superstition from movies. <laughs> I, w I just want to comment on dying is fun, and and that is. Can I, may oh, I please yeah. really quickly? Because this is really important. I'd never heard of that uh, that superstition before. <laughs> and according to this website, HowStuffWorks.com, although the exact origins of this superstition are lost history, it is believed to have started because people thought evil spirits lived in the hair. And most likely, these evil spirits were actually static buildup. That was why they thought that. Anyway, as people went Whoa. indoors and removed their hats, the static electricity in their hair popped and crackled, a reaction attributed to the spirits that lurked among their locks and in their hats. By laying a hat on the bed, those same evil spirits would transfer onto the very place where they'd lay their heads at night. See? <laughs> <laughs> Told you. <laughs> Told you so. But it's did you know thing. that in some Jewish families, leaving a hat on a bed was believed to be uh, was believed to portend a death in the household that owned the bed? What does portend mean? It predict predicts. Yeah. Oh, okay. So leaving a hat on a bed can mean can yeah can almost lead to the. Uh, oh, that's true. See, and that's another thing about like about the the coming back from that is there's a whole. I feel like I have a different relationship now with like 
superstitions with yeah than I did before. Because in, in I don't what know. way? You, you, don't you actually know. are paying more attention to them, or you're you're not letting them? I'm not sure. Still, yeah. <laughs> they're still there. Yeah, yeah, they're still there. And I'm sorry I interrupted you. Oh no, no. I, I just I was gonna say though that that I, I I really feel like dying is fun. Like that that name sort of happened because we had just come out of my six months in the hospital, and we had done things like. You know, I mean, we had like danced in the hallways, you know, of, you know, of the cancer ward. And, and we had just, you know, we were just like trying to like make that thing like as much like like our thing as possible. We weren't we weren't going to like sort of like stop, you know, doing what we did. I mean, a lot of things you have to stop just because you have to or whatever. You're feeling sick and blah, blah, blah. But but, you know, it was sort of like I thought it was sort of like, yeah, I mean, yeah. OK, so you're sick. But that doesn't mean that you can't like still enjoy stuff and like still try to make something special out of it or some, you know, just you, you're, you, you know, we're all like, we're all dying. Like as soon as you're born, you're quote unquote dying. I mean, you know, you're, you're going there. And so it's like, you know, you gotta make it fun. Might as well have some fun. It, well, I mean, now I believe like that's all you should fucking care about <laughs> really <laughs> is like, is having as much fun as you possibly can because you know, it's so time ridiculous. is finite. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, such a ridiculous thing. Life, <laughs> you mean? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that has been your takeaway from it's the absurd. Experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned the wishing song. That's the newest "Everyone Is Dirty" song that's been put out properly yeah. recorded, and it's the first one that that um, it's the first recording that is coming out that has come out, or it hasn't really officially come out yet. Um, mm. We have it on our band camp right now, um, but it's still like kind of a secret that it's there that jake is on jake welcome jake at the table um this song was inspired by twenty thousand leagues under the sea and i must ask how so there's a character in that book who is um the like first mate so there's the cat the this guy who's out searching for um what this mysterious like monster they think it's this giant monster have you guys read the book i haven't read the book but what no <laughs> yeah i didn't read yeah. you're supposed to be the one that reads all the books yeah i know it's, it's true <laughs> well it's really really good and yeah. so anyway um the this monster in the ocean they think it's a monster yeah and um they discover it's actually not a monster it's a ship it's, yeah, it's a shit. Well, see, the reason I never read it is because I was ruined by the movie. I, uh, but, yeah, as a nice. kid, I saw the Disney movie. Once I see a movie first, I can't get through the book. And that, it ruined it for me. I agree. Well, I, I'm sorry that I did. So there's this character who is the first mate, and, the, and he's recruited from New York. They're like, in, they leave from New York. This ship leaves from New York, and all these people are recruited, and he leaves his wife in New York. And they end up out on the on the sea, and they're just encountering the most magical, weird things, like just beautiful, like beautiful miracles that you know that happen, like just beautiful things that happen out at sea, at sea. sunsets, like school giant schools of fish, th- animals, like you know things that are really remarkable. And he. And so the the main character is experiencing all these things and he's enjoying them and this first mate can't enjoy them because he's totally sick over, he's just heart sick over missing his wife 
in his life back home. So he just can't, he, he can't do it to such a degree that he ends up not making it. He doesn't survive because he just can't be there. He can't be in the moment. And that's what the song's about. That whole idea behind that song and that idea of him not being able to experience that moment and ultimately dying is, I think, how a lot of people spend a lot of their lives. And I think that's why it's a poignant thing to zero in on for the song. Um, and again, not to bring it back t- to your health troubles, but I mean, moments like that give us a sense of clarity of like, boy, I really should kind of enjoy the moment, shouldn't I? Because it's not going to be here forever. But yeah, I've, I've, don't I've, miss what you don't have or, you know, whatever. Don't don't not see things because you're missing something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I don't we don't need to list it off here. But like, I, I bet all of us could think of times in our life where we have just like missed large chunks because our mind was elsewhere elsewhere or our feelings were elsewhere that happens to me when i watch tv yeah but that's different though that you know that's different i mean a lot of the time it's like when you're heart sick you know or or you you miss you you miss family heart sick i think is where it really comes in though you know you just you wish it could have gone differently and then you just can't enjoy all the good stuff that's in front of you or you can't accept like the love that's around you because you want a very narrow type of love. And mm. I, I just think that's like so many people's emotional story a lot of the time. It is. I don't know if that resonates with the songwriters, but mm-hmm. that, that song touches me in that way. Oh, that's, that's great to hear. I, I, I agree. And I, I, you know, I, I just want to say something about Sivan's lyric writing, though, too, and that is that, you know, a lot of times, like, you know, we'll write music and we'll have these like little musical vignettes and things and we'll sort of talk about what they're about or talk about what kind of what's happening. And, 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 and like, I think that, you know, Sivan is like, she really just, she's able to kind of bring <clears throat> all these sort of like incredible experiences and, and books and, and, and things that she has into, into the music. And I'm always, always I'm always amazed at how, um, just how, rich this stuff is drawn from and i just wanted to tell you that like that i love your lyrics so much thanks. i don't know if we tell you that enough i tell you that enough oh, but i love your lyrics gee thanks you write the poetry and everybody else at the table amplifies that and creates the really mood and fills it out and exactly and the poetry like, is wonderful but it would reach a lot less people if it was just written down and posted online i mean totally. making it music together is what allows you to to really highlight all the stuff, all the work that you do. Mm-hmm. And this is the group yeah. you do it with. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I would say, Savon, I don't know if you agree with this, but y- you mentioned that it, three years later, sometimes you feel strange that you still are, are thinking about that thing. And I, it just feels to me, just sitting here, uh, that this band is like part of the healing process. I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but you can explore what you're feeling and get it out and maybe increment by increment, get closer to feeling right. Definitely. And yeah. And these are my friends and they're, they stay, stand by my side. So, yeah. And that's all a tincture. Yeah. <laughs> and I have, I just made a tincture. <laughs> I just made a beautiful tincture <laughs> that is uh, not, doesn't even have a, a decarboxylated cannabis in it it's all raw so the tincture is green and it doesn't even make you high it just it's like it has all these beautiful antioxidants and things in it and it's this crazy green color which is the most fun thing about it is that you take this tincture that's just so green and it's like you're putting like 
a season in your mouth, you know? It's really cool. I spent some time with this band's music before tonight, and this interview has given me, like, a real appreciation for the poetry that you do. I mean, you all make the music together, but it, it starts with the poems that you write, and it's very beautiful, and I really appreciate the vulnerability and just the realness. So thank, thank you. you. It's very beautiful. Thank and you. speaking of that, everybody should stick around because a performance by Everyone Is Dirty is next. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you.
Now I can't speak his name. He's always. 